Hello, New Life Friday Night. Daniel Grothy here. Tonight, as you're meeting, I'm in Jerusalem. And just a side note, make it a bucket list item to go to the Holy Land. It's a great time. Uh, at some point in your life, I pray you can go. But tonight, you have a great honor. And I get to introduce some of my favorite people on the planet. Tonight, my mom and dad are here to speak, David and Becky Grothy. They're coming up on 45 years of marriage. They're coming up on 45 years of serving the people of God in the local church context. And I know I'm biased, but I'm not just biased. I love these people. They are faithful people. They have weathered the storm. They have uh, taken care of God's flock that had under their care for a really long time. And they know they have history with God. They know the scriptures. So tonight I want you to open your heart. I want you to say, come Holy Spirit. And uh, welcome, would you join me tonight in welcoming my parents, David and Becky Grothy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and full disclosure. At about 20 minutes after 6, so we got here about 5.45, and about 20 minutes after 6, I was in here, I told my friends this, I was kind of looking around the room, and there were like 12 people here. I was like, oh, shoot, nobody's coming. <clears throat> they heard Daniel was out of town, and it's Dave and Becky, and nobody's coming. But you came, so thank you. <laughs> I do have a few insecurities, which we'll talk about a little bit later this evening. But we are so honored to be here. We love you are our Friday night congregation and family, and we are very honored to be here with you and uh, share a little bit from our hearts. And I think they're going to show a picture of our family just in case, in case you wonder why we always look so tired. <laughs> well, we'll show it later. Did you find it, They're Brandon? there, I promise. We have them. There's 24. It's, it's all good. So, honey, come on up and you start. We, oh, there they are. There they are. Thank you, guys. That's everybody but Nora, and Nora is, we're going to do a slideshow of Nora later, you know, just so you can see everything about her. So that's our family. We're very thankful. And Dave and I, when Daniel asked us to share, we were going to kind of do a little back and forth, and, and I just could not get in the flow of it. And I felt like I'm just going to be interrupting or he's going to be interrupting me and we're just going to have this back and forth. Kind of par for the course. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, we, we um, felt like yesterday we had a real word from the Lord and that's important to us to be able to feel like we've actually got something to share with you tonight. So go ahead, honey. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. This is in the flow of who is God. We had weeks on the Father, weeks on the Son, and last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And tonight, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, our comforter, and our guide. Hear the word of the Lord from John 14. And I will ask the Father... Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, 
a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, and a standby. That's from the Amplified, so I have to say it a little louder. Spirit of truth. But notice, he said, that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive or welcome or take to heart because the world does not see him or know him or recognize the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for sending the comforter. We thank you that we can receive the fullness of your presence with us, in us. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. The comforter is that spirit of truth. In the Greek, the word is paraclete or parakletos. It's one that's called alongside to help, one who's called to aid, to comfort, to console. It's like Jesus is calling in the help and he's sending it. He said to his disciples, I'm going to go away, but if if I go away, the Spirit will come. And I can't, the Spirit will not come unless I go away. He said, there's another comforter. That speaks that Jesus was there preaching, teaching, healing. He was comforting along the way. So he said, I'm going to send another comforter. How many of you have ever used the word parallel? Think about paraclete, one called alongside. A parallel is just like this. You turn this way, the line goes this way. You turn this way, the parallel line follows. Any paraprofessionals in the room? One called alongside in a classroom to teach. A paralegal comes alongside those that are in the courtroom and serves parallel, paralegal. I think we need to think tonight of the Holy Spirit as the one that's coming alongside of us. We're going to walk with him. But even better than that, listen to what the message version of this says. I love Peterson's translation that says, he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him and doesn't know what to look for. I was out in the business today and we were talking and I was hearing all sorts of stories and people looking and people trying to search and people thinking the world doesn't see like Jesus followers can see. He goes on to say, but you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. I want you to underline in your thinking tonight, not just with me, but in me. Not just alongside, but dwelling within me. I want to encourage you tonight as a personal encouragement. I want you to see that Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Personalize it. Jesus said, I'm sending another friend, another encourager to you. Not just to the general public. Not just to the general population of the body of Christ, but you personally. Receive that personal emphasis tonight. Jesus was there. They saw him touching the blind man. They saw him raising the young girl from the dead. They saw all of his work. And then he said, but even better, I'm going to send one 
like me, another like me, to be that closeness to you. I want to ask you tonight, what are your synonyms? The Amplified gave us several. Comforter, helper, counselor, strengthener. There are days when you're just in the middle of your day and you say, come Holy Spirit. That strength, that strengthener comes alongside. This morning we needed it here. I was here early and about 11 o'clock the phone rang here at the office. Pastor Mel was standing just outside my door and the call came in. One of our members lost their son last night in a really horrific accident just down here on InterQuest. You may have seen it. That was a New Life family. And I was so glad. 20 minutes later, the dad walked into our lobby and the whole staff, his whole group of friends was standing there to greet him and hug him and love him. And we said, Holy Spirit, bring comfort. Bring that strength that only the Holy Spirit can provide. He's an advocate. He's going to stand up for you. The Holy Spirit is going to pray for you, pray through you, give you that intercession with groanings that cannot be, we heard about it last week here on the whiteboard, that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Later in that point, the helper, the Holy Spirit was available, not just available, but coming toward you. Someone said a long time ago, I heard a preacher say that miracles are coming towards you or going past you every moment. Reach out now and personalize the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Whether we feel him or we sense him in the moment, his promise is, I will never leave you. I want you to know that tonight. You may feel like, where's God? Where is Jesus? Where's the Holy Spirit? I don't feel him. But the promise is, I will never leave you. How many of you have a, a, a you know, a safety, a security blanket? Did anybody ever have a security blanket growing up? I'm going to ask my assistant to assist me now. Me? Yes, please. I told him I didn't want to sit on one of these high chairs because oh. my... I just feel like a little, just, and then yeah. I'm going to hike myself up and hike Come on, myself Ruthann, down. Come on, Ruthann, Becky. What'd you call me? Come on, Ruthann. Swing those legs. <laughs> See, that's so embarrassing. Anybody have a comforting blanket? So I start dating this lovely girl 48 years ago. And one break, it's semester it break. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. Just to be clear. I'm dating this really sweet girl, and we're just kind of getting to know each other, and it's break time, and she comes to me, and she said, I'm going away for the break, but I will not leave you without comfort. 48 years ago, this lady right here presented this to me. With initials on it. Now, here's the real catch. I took this back to my room. You got to see this. (laughs) 
she said, I will not leave you comfortless. <laughs> Think about the Holy Spirit coming to comfort you. However you see it, however you see it. I've had this in my room. All four of our kids have put their big old feet up under it all at once. I've wrapped myself in it. I've gotten up early in the morning and just put it around me and gone out and sat. And it not just represents her kindness and her love, but it says to me, there's comfort in that love that was given to me. It's representative to me. My mother and father were the salt of the earth people. Growing up in the Depression, my mother's family had to leave Oklahoma. They were classic grapes of wrath Okies that had to leave Oklahoma because of the drought and the Dust Bowl, and they went to California to pick fruit and vegetables. My father never finished the eighth grade because he had to go into the field to work. His father had been, uh, had died. He worked to support his mom and his little brother. They're just hardest working people I ever knew. They were both in World War II. My father in Germany, in Berlin, the day the war was over. My mother was working in the D.C. office of the chief signal officer in the army. They came out of the army. They met each other. They married. And six years later, had their only begotten son. <laughs> My mom and dad were hardworking people. But they were some of the unhappiest people I've ever seen. Their marriage was tough. There was strife. Big fight most of the time. I would separate them. I'm 9, 10, 11 years old. Can't we work this out? Can't we work this out? My mother was diagnosed with a massive brain tumor when I was 14. It was removed, and Dad and I worked with her for about a year, physical therapy, getting all of her motor skills back, and Mom recovered. I had a 15th birthday, and soon thereafter got the call that my dad had been killed in an explosion in the oil field. Nine guys died at the well. It's just me and mom. My mother became a single mom and a widow all in the same evening. I went right to work. I worked in the grocery store for a couple of years, worked in the vet hospital for a year, my senior year in high school. I'm just trying to find my way along. Mom's health was tentative. I went to college. A year in, I got a call. I was traveling. I was on the East Coast. I remember right where I was in Stores, Connecticut, on the University of Connecticut campus, singing with a team, an evangelism team. And we were up there. Phone rang, and it was home saying, Dave, you, you need to come home. Your mom's been diagnosed with another brain tumor. We drove two days straight back from Connecticut to Oklahoma. By then, school starting. I'm in my second year of college. I just had a 19th birthday. And four years watching all of life's changes and mom's health deteriorate, I decided I'm going to go pray for a week at lunch. I didn't eat, went to my room, knelt at the bed, prayed for an hour, went to class. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, noon to one. Didn't eat lunch. Friday, I went to that place of prayer, and I'd committed to go five days and just effectively praying for my mother, groaning. Bible says, pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. Also, sing with the Spirit, sing with the understanding. I'm just calling on the Lord every way I knew how. And that last day, I got up from that last fifth hour of prayer. 
I thought I'd been praying for my mom, but all of a sudden in my heart and in my spirit and in my mind, I knew four things that I didn't know before that week started. You're going to work in the ministry. It'll be right there. You're going to work in, in the ministries of the campus and travel. You'll, you'll have your tuition paid for. Now, I had been praying about that. <laughs> Third thing, this, this work of ministry is going to require you to go five years instead of four, ten semesters instead of eight. And I'm, I'm just in this moment. I'm knowing these things. And the last thing, you're going to go five years. In the last year, you will be married. I just barely had a girlfriend and a blanket. <laughs> I carried those things like Mary. Mom died six weeks later. Went to be with the Lord. I got to pray with her. I got to pray with her before the surgery there was a, a second surgery, and the doc said she may not recover. Well, she, she went into a recovery program and some assisted living and care, had a sandwich one day at lunch, took a nap, and went to be with the Lord. I've lost my father and my mother almost four years to the day, and I'm... I'm getting this news all of a sudden. It's coming to my heart. All of a sudden, I'm... It's me. I have no brothers, no sisters. My mom and dad are gone. It's me. And I'm feeling pretty lonely one night. I started calling some friends down the hall. Can, can we visit a minute? I called four or five of my good friends. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm off campus. I'm tied up. And the people that I didn't reach, you know, I left a message. And about 30 minutes later, I'm thinking, I need, I need something. And I went over to the place of prayer down in the prayer garden of our campus and there I heard this verse in my heart I'd read it Proverbs 18 24 says I am a friend there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother I knew I didn't have a blood brother and that after that evening I didn't have any brothers but the Lord came close to me and confirm this scripture to me that I will be that friend that will stick closer than a brother. And it has strengthened me for the last 48 years. Jesus said, I still have things. I still have things that I need to tell you. But you can't handle them right now. He said, when the friend comes, the spirit of truth. He will take you by the hand and he will guide you into all the truth there is. Can you see the Lord grabbing your hand at that moment when you don't know what to do? You feel isolated. I like this. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will let you know what is going to happen. Now, this isn't fortune telling. This isn't some eight ball you know, you look at the bottom and say, you will make a left turn. <laughs> no, the Lord, by his spirit, will let you know. He will tell you about the future and confirm with you that he is there with you, parallel walking every step of your journey. I like what Paul says. Well, let me say this. How many of you have ever been on a tour of any kind? <laughs> An excursion. First time I went to the Capitol... I was 17 years old. 
with a, a naval chaplain and his, his son, my good friend. We went up to the U.S. Capitol, and at that time, the Speaker of the House was from Oklahoma, Carl Albert, about five feet, two inch tall. Carl Albert from Bug Tussle, Oklahoma, was the Speaker of the House. We walked right in the rotunda of the Capitol, and that chaplain knocked on the, Mr. Speaker, some boys here from Tulsa to say hello. You couldn't do that today. U.S. Capitol, but it had two signs over the rotunda doors. Guided tour, this door. Self-guided tour, come through this door. You know what you get when you go through the self-guided tour? They give you a little pamphlet. It's got some pictures of the Capitol. You walk through and say, hmm, oh, oh, nice. The guided tour goes like this. Everybody line up right here. I'm your guide. My name's Dave. Follow me. That guide will point out things that you otherwise would never see. Otherwise, you'd miss totally altogether. Trust me, I've been on the guided tour and the self-guided tour. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to be your guide. Listen to these two verses by Paul. If you let the Holy Spirit lead you, the law, not just the Mosaic law, but the law of sin and death no longer has power over you. Hallelujah. He says in verse 25, if we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He will lead you. That Greek word there is walking in the line that the Spirit has laid down, following the path that the Spirit has made a way for you. I like Eugene Peterson. I kind of come by it honestly. I just love the message. Romans 9, 11, 8, 9, and 11 says, says this. If God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, say, come Holy Spirit. In whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin in this world, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did for Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He'll quicken, make alive your mortal body. Hallelujah. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does, think about it now. Don't question. Jesus is in your heart. He sent the Holy Spirit as surely as he did in Jesus. You are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's resurrected body. Amen. I'm so glad. Amen. I'm so glad. Now, what do we do with all this comfort we received? Hear what Paul said to do with it. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that your body, you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Say it with me out loud. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells. The Holy Spirit lives and abides within me. My body. Now, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. 
The body of Christ is where God lives, in his body, the church. But he's also in another place in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, don't, don't you know your body? You bought with a price. Your body is the temple. God's spirit touches our spirit. This is what he said to the Romans. God touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are. Father and children. This is the game changer in my spiritual life. When I realized who he is in me and who I am in his family. Who he is in us, who we are in him, it'll make a difference in the way we live. Now, I'm going to ask Becky to step forward. She has got a word in her heart, and I want to introduce you to the love of my life, the mother of my children. Thank you. I, d I just want to say the Holy Spirit, I need the Holy Spirit not just to help me get from place to place, but to navigate every stage of my life. And I have realized that I've got to know he's there. I've got to sense his presence. I've got to hear his voice. Um, I know I won't walk away from him. I trust I won't. And I have to know he's not going to walk away from me either or from you. Our life has been filled with joy and difficulty, sometimes even despair. And I've needed him every step of the way. I, I hear his voice and I long for his voice. I uh, remember the first time I ever heard it and I didn't even know he spoke, but he spoke. And I was 12 years old in a little Presbyterian confirmation class. And the first time I heard him, my heart was so stirred. And I said to the pastor, can a woman be a minister? And he said, no, but you know what the Holy Spirit said? The Holy Spirit said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Then I was watching Oral Roberts on TV and thinking, could I ever, could I ever not see all those cool students? And here I am in Lapway, Idaho, and I would think, could I ever? And he said, this is what I have for you. Somehow I got to ORU, and my first week in Tulsa, and I was so alone and lonely, and the churches would send buses to the campus to help the students get to church, and so I went out in the parking lot, and I was drawn to this bus, shared an assembly. I got in the bus. I was all alone. I went, sat in the second or third row, and out walked the choir, and in the back row, some of you have heard my story. In the back row, right in the center, was this tall, handsome, dark-haired guy. <laughs> and I had this thought, if I could marry him, I would be the happiest person in the whole world. <laughs> so I was just a 17-year-old lonely girl sitting in church, and really what the Holy Spirit was saying you're going to marry him, and you're going to be the happiest person in the world. And thank the Lord. Um, so I didn't go chasing him down. I let the Lord do all that. <laughs> so for the last 40 years, and I'm moving kind of quickly. For the last 40 years, I have battled fear and anxiety. I don't know if any of you 
are like me in that way. And I have to have a word. I have to have a word to sustain me through those times and uh, through those. uh, And Dave would pray for me and he'd say, honey, don't be afraid. Honey, the Lord is with you. The Lord is in you. Don't be afraid. And he'd pray for me and he'd read scripture, still does, read scripture to me, sing over me, comfort me. But I had to know it in myself. And I want to encourage you today. You know, I've got three or four friends that I can call and they can prime my pump and help me, you know, get over a a difficult place. But all of us have to have that. We have to be able to tap into the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. So I'm pretty sure my fear and anxiety started about 41 years ago with these words. You're going to have a baby. Oh, wait, you're going to have two babies, twins. Oh, I don't know what to do with one. What are we supposed to do with two? We're 25. We don't know anything. And we're going to have twins. And so I'm, how am I going to do it? And the Holy Spirit said, I'll strengthen you. Now, let me just say, I just want to throw this in. That when, if and when you are pregnant, people will feel like they, or any condition, people will feel like, I need to tell them every bad story I have ever heard about pregnancy in case they haven't heard it. And so at that point, you can just go, Shh, which is what I did. I would stand over when Christine and Jessica were born. I would stand over them in their beds. And I would watch their little chest rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall. I think, okay, they're okay. They're okay. And the Holy Spirit would say, Becky, perfect love casts out all fear. You don't have to be afraid. Oh, my goodness, and they started to walk. Who said they could walk? I was just getting past the watching their chest go up and down. They started walking, and every horror story that I had learned all my life came back to me. If they walk with a stick, they're going to fall and poke their eye out. Do you know that happens? Do you know anybody that that has happened to? No, it has never happened to a child. And if you go in the water over your knees, and you know what the Holy Spirit said? No evil shall befall them. Now, there's conflict at the church. I thought we were all going to love each other and be together in church until Jesus comes. No. How are we going to pay our bills? I was young and I'm old, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Then now Jessica and Christine are running. Who knew that they would run? And what if they run out in the street? I will give my angels charge over you to keep you. All the Can anyone relate to these imaginations, these battles, these points of fear? Um, there's uncertainty at work. Fear not, for I am with you. 
We had a prestigious job opportunity. But they said, you're going to have to sacrifice your family. So the Holy Spirit said at that point, get out of there. And we did. And then um, Daniel was about three months old, and this little um, baby that was in the nursery with him passed away suddenly. And so you know where I went immediately. I said to Dave, can Daniel just sleep with us every night until he's 18? He said no. And so there I was, back to standing around the crib and Christine and Jessica's bed, watching their chest rise and then go down and rise and down. And that fear came again, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Becky, perfect love casts out all fear. I'm going to keep your children. And then I heard, you're going to have another baby and this baby is going to save your family. And so I went and I told Dave, and, and he's like, great, let's do that. Let's have that baby. And so we did, and Anna was born. And months later then, when uh, we were in a very deep place of grief in our ministry, Anna brought that joy. Sitting at my office desk one day, um, I had... Uh, since this um, inappropriate kind of, what's the word? Lust. Well, just say it. Not for me. I wasn't lusting. <laughs> I was feeling it from this person on our staff. And I was, like made me nervous. And I got a phone call one day. And this is what the phone, I said, hi, this is Becky. And on the other end of the phone, this person, a friend in, another, in Mississippi said, there's a trap set for you, run. I said, I know what it is, I am. And the threat didn't ever leave, but I was safe. I was protected. We were protected. All God's children were protected <laughs> at that moment. Then how are we going to pay our mortgage? Have you ever felt that way? No? Yes. Yes. So how are we going to pay our mortgage? And the Holy Spirit said, you know what? I'm going to chase you down in traffic and take care of that. And I was in traffic, and this guy chased me down. And I pulled off the street, and he said, I owe you guys some money. Here, can I give you a check? I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. He takes care of us. We were out of toilet paper one time. And that is a terrible place to be with a family of six. And we drove home from church one night, and we drove down our street, and someone had TP'd our yard. I mean, like, really. Like, rolls of it were left on the grass and packages. And I said to all the kids, yay, get out. Gather up all the manna. I mean, toilet paper. Gather it all. I remember Christine and Jessica and Daniel were like, Mom, do not make us do that. We are not going to. I'm thinking, God has provided. I don't care how. So whatever he wants to do. Oh, my goodness. 
How do you protect your children from wrong influences? You train them up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they're not going to depart, and you also screen every single person that comes in your house at the, before they get to the door. And we've had times where we've had to say, no, sorry, they're not coming over. No, sorry, we're not going to do that. And boy, when they started dating people and then it was like, they get married? Who said they could get married? Where did that come from? So um, we, we had our eye on everybody and we watched and made sure, I'll tell you about this. Um, now I'm quitting. I'm almost finished. But you keep playing. No, play. No, play. I like that. I'm feeling like a flow here. Come on. (laughs) So anyway, there was this guy that wanted to date Anna. And so we had a practice of whoever was going to show any interest in our children had to meet the dad first. Like face-to-face handshake, no phone, no email, text, Facebook, face-to-face and a handshake. And so this guy came to ask Dave if he could date Anna. She was in a freshman in college, and we just knew, like, right now, no. And so Dave said, you know, I don't, it's so nice to meet you, but I I don't feel like this is going to be a good fit. I don't think this. And the guy said, well, I really like her, you know, I was thinking. And Dave said, I don't, I, you know, she's just a freshman and. I don't know that that's going to, you're graduating, but, uh, well, I'd really like to, so then Dave said, I don't think you heard me, no, (laughs) goodbye, so you can do that, parents, we encourage that, (laughs) amen, and that's part of that protection, the Holy Spirit's going to show you yes or no, I remember with all of our kids, and I'll just say this because Lisa is here, but Um, and because I love her, but Daniel was, there was another girl that Daniel had kind of dated some that I was not real. I didn't feel like it was right. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this word and it was such an unusual one. And this was it. She doesn't warrant the amount of time you're spending together. Now who, I never say warrant. I never say nobody warrants. But that was the word. And so Daniel came to talk to Dave. I'm hurrying, everybody. I'm hurrying. Take a deep breath. (sighs) So Daniel came home from school to talk to Dave about this. And I overheard them talking about this relationship. And so I've got my ear up to the door, literally. And I'm thinking... No, he should be asking me. I'm, I have a word. I'm the one with the... And I was just... I was kind of insulted. Why isn't he asking me? So he came to me later after he and David had a real father-son kind of heart-to-heart. And he came to me and he said, Mom, what do you think? And I said, you know, I feel like I heard the Holy Spirit say she doesn't warrant the rest of it. And he said, good. And a few months later, I said, have you seen, have you met Lisa Wakely? I said to Daniel, have you met Lisa Wakely? 
have you seen her smile? She's so uncluttered. And so we are so, we love Lisa. We love all of Brad and David and Stephen. But the Holy Spirit will give you insight into what, uh, what is good and what is right for your children. Um, can I tell you just one more? Just, just because it's just so sweet. So we had, it was hard financially raising four children and Christian school. And we were on a pastor's salary and things were kind of tight. And I walked by Anna one day. She was about 14. And I walked by her in the house and she just smelled. She had such a lovely fragrance. And I said, Anna what is that cologne you're wearing? It smells so pretty. And she said, well, she said, Mom, I know we don't have a lot of money, and I have this candle. I have this candle that I really love, and I just rub it on my arms, and it smells so good. She's 14. 14. When your children ache, parents I understand that seems like a silly little story, but it represented this sweet, precious little girl who didn't want to let her mom know that she needed some cologne or would love to have some. I'll tell you, that girl will never run out of cologne a day in her life. I'll tell you her favorite fragrance, and we'll send her some. But anyway, for you who are aching for your children. God understands that ache. The Holy Spirit understands. And he's got a word for you and a word for them. It's no accident for us that the first, oh, I didn't show you my grandkids. Quick, quick wherever they are. So I want to say this, though. When you have children, it's one thing, and then they start having children, and things are multiplied, and it never ends, does it? And our, our longing for all to be well with our families um, never ends. But the Holy Spirit is there all along the way to strengthen us, to speak to us, to give us a word for the people that we love the most. If you are here and you battle anxiety or fear, could we just take a second and pray before we, we receive communion? If you want to raise your hand, you can. If you want to just um, bow your head, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray right now for every person in this room who battles fear and anxiety and grief and despair. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us and in us and strengthening us, even into our old age. Father, thank you for helping us and bringing us your word and your wisdom. Thank you that you promised you would never leave us, and you would never forsake us, and you would be with us always. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask those servers and some of our greeters and ushers, if you need communion elements, they've got them. If you didn't get them coming in the door. Don't open quite yet because I want us to hear the lyric of this old hymn tune. Spirit of the living God. Sing it with me. 
fall afresh on me. Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, melt me, mold me, fill me, fill me, use me. you've heard it once. Go back and sing the beginning. Spirit. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh. Fall fresh on me. Spirit of the your spirit upon all flesh. We're your vessels, Lord. We're your temple. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread with his disciples sitting around the table. He said, go prepare the Passover. Passover was not an unfamiliar meal for the children of Israel and for the Jews. They knew what they had to do. Find the spotless lamb. Prepare it. Find the cup prepare it. And Jesus had sent his disciples to go prepare that meal, and then they all come together. You've seen the famous paintings and portraits of that meal, Jesus and the disciples. See yourself now inserted into that portrait. Here we are at the table of the Lord. He said, as often as you do this, remember me. He said, this is my body, which is broken. Just break that wafer. Broken for you. The psalmist saw ahead and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all my sin and heals all my disease. The broken body with his stripes, we are healed. Let's take that body tonight and receive. Afterward, Jesus took the cup the fruit of the vine, and he said, lifting it up, this is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of your sins. Tonight, we're reminded that the blood covers all. All of our past, all of our sin, all of our shame. We receive tonight your forgiveness, Jesus. Thank you for covering us and atoning for our sin, paying the price 
winning the victory and giving it to us. Take this blood and know that your sins are washed away. Let's drink together. Sing the bridge of that, melt me. Melt me. do with this comfort. Let's go back to that one, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul wondered, we've received all this comfort, what do we do with it? Do you have that verse? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says what we do with it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So what are you going to do with the comfort that you receive? You're going to be ready to share it. Somebody that needs some comfort. I took the hand of a young lady today, about four o'clock in a public business. She'd just been sharing with me about a family member who's so despairing. And because it's part of her family, she was also despairing. And I just said, Lord, send the angels. Send your spirit, send your comfort, amen, in Jesus' name. And we just took a minute and called the name of Jesus out in public. And I just felt led to tell you, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, the comfort that you've received. Go ahead and share it right out there in public because the world isn't going to see him, but you see him. Have you appreciated these 10 wonderful instrumentalists and vocalists up here tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to Abby. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Abby. Happy birthday to you. One more tune. Stay standing. The worship team is going to bless us and lead us one further tune. God. 
standing near someone just put your hand on their shoulder on their arm let's agree as a body tonight you've heard this every service you've been in here and I want to put it on the screen and I want you to confess this tonight as a blessing to those that are near us number six 24 through 26 we're going to put it on the screen so that you can share that verse out of your own mouth Make the confession of God's blessing. Do we still have it, guys? Say it with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.